Well, welcome to Body Ecology Living. I've recently become really, really interested in a topic that, well, it's osteoporosis. And, you know, there's a lot of myths and misunderstanding that I quickly realized when I became interested in osteoporosis. So I started going on uh, YouTube and places like that, and I found this wonderful doctor who has been working with osteoporosis for 40 years. She She's really the first person out there who has... Um, you know, decided that we don't have to take drugs and that there is a natural approach to getting over osteoporosis. So my guest today is Dr. Susan Brown. She's a certified clinical nutritionist in the state of New York, and she's an anthropologist, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. That, you know, they're kind of unusual to put those together. But Dr. Brown, thank you very much for stopping your busy practice and talking to us today. Well, thank you very much. I certainly admired your work for a long time. Again, one of those people who caught a great important topic and just stuck with it and helped people now understand the microbiome over decades. It's such important work. And as an anthropologist, we always recognize the importance of fermented food. In fact, we, during evolution, many foods were fermented because we didn't have refrigeration and our, our, our whole body is adjusted to that very rich, diverse microbiome. And so everything you're doing to bring people back to that state, I, I congratulate you and I appreciate that work. Oh, thank you for saying that. What a surprise. I had no idea that you even knew who I was. So thank oh, you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I filed your stuff for a long time. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, I did want to bring up the microbiome today <laughs> in our talk. But um, why, why don't we start, if you don't mind, because actually you're the first person I listened to that said that... Um, Dexas. Okay, so let me just back up a little bit. So when someone is diagnosed with osteoporosis, they've right. usually had a DEXA scan because their doctor told them that from about the middle, you know, after they go through menopause, they should start to monitor that. And so right, they go right, for right. a DEXA scan. And um, I'd love to start talking about the accuracy of the testing that's available to tell us if we really do have osteoporosis. Yeah, you know, that's such an important topic, and I was actually there at the meetings in Harvard in 1985 when the researchers had developed that machine, probably partly in conjunction with the drug companies. I'm not sure how the funding came down, but they were very excited because they said, now we have a machine that we're going to be able to detect bone strength and tell who's going to fracture, and this is the bone density machine, and so everyone was excited wow maybe we can really predict who's going to fracture so then for 10 years they collected data and they collected that data and then they say we got a bunch of data so we're going to separate the people that had the lowest bone density by our measurement which i'm going to tell you later is not really a bone density measurement it's very influenced by area but anyway they said okay so the people with the very lowest we're going to call those osteoporosis and they're the ones that are going to fracture and then the people with less low maybe just one and a half, one standard deviation deviation away from a young person, we're going to call that osteopenia. And then the rest we're going to call normal. Well, so they 10 years they worked with that, 10 years they were telling people, oh, you have osteoporosis and you have osteopenia, although osteopenia was never meant to be a diagnosis. It was just meaning that the bone density was lower than that of a young person, but not as low as what they called osteoporosis. So then for 10 years they went doing that, and then they said, hey, let's actually see who fractures. So they start looking at the data, and now what they found in the last 20 years is that the vast majority of fractures occur in people who have either osteopenia or normal bone density. That, oh, sure, people with osteoporosis fracture, but you cannot predict fracture by, by bone density because there's many other factors that influence bone strength. Up to 80% studies in Europe, 80% of the people that fracture don't have an osteoporotic bone density. <clears throat> so there's many other issues, particularly issues that the bone is not repairing itself. The microarchitecture of the bone is not repaired. So as far as the DEXA question, my opinion is that DEXA was a good try, but it just didn't work out. And in fact, as it turns now, the studies show that up to 90% of the DEXA exams have errors. And sometimes they're small errors, but about 50% they're very serious errors. And so this is a technology in my mind, and I've studied it since the very beginning, that that has not been successful. And it particularly 
it particularly is unfair for small bone thin women or anyone who's short because it is an aerial measurement it's very affected by area so I always tell my clients take it with a little grain of salt we don't ever like to see anybody to keep losing bone by any losing excessive bone I mean the average person down it goes from 35 to 85 is going to lose about 45% of their bone and 45% of their muscle as they go from 35 to 85. So if you look at some older people, you might see this. So our challenge is to stay strong as long as possible. And we champion everything that helps you stay strong, certainly an alkaline diet, certainly keeping your microbiome, certainly getting all the 20 key bone nutrients. But very often, in, 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 the bone densities are used at a detriment to many more worried about it rather than see it as an opportunity to increase their total body strength. There's Just on that topic, there's a new device from Italy called Echolite. This is an ultrasound device. There's about five or six of them in the U.S. We just gave a seminar at Kerpalo Yoga Institute and we had one of those devices there and we measured several people and uh, there's get especially small bone lightweight people get dramatically better measurements with that machine and that machine can measure bone strength so it has a fragility mm -hmm. index so it's a whole new Is frontier. Is it called Echo Light? Echo Light because it's, it's ultrasound it puts a sound into the bone sees what bounces back so you're going to hear a lot about Echo Light um, There'll be some resistance because doctors have invested thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in these bone density machines, but it, in my mind, it just hasn't been that effective. And uh, of new things, new ways of measuring bone strength are going to come along, and the Echolite is one of those. Well, can, how do you get a how do you get a test with an Echolite test? Well, there's about there's about five or six practitioners who've bought these machines. There's a group mm -hmm. in Canada actually. Um, that is traveling around. They have pop-up clinics. It's so two women that got so motivated. They got their pop-up clinic, and um, wow. they go around and measure. Yeah. Here we have doctors like Dr. Andy Bush and Dr. Kim Zambito in the East Coast. Andy Bush is in North Carolina. If anyone's interested, they can contact um, our office at betterbones.com, and we'll, we'll send you the list of there's five or six people so far, most of them on the East Coast, doctors that have these devices. But they, you'll, you'll see more of the Echolite. And we'll be, we'll be giving several sessions, like Dr. Bush is very happy to travel, you know, and so we'll have mm -hmm. him come to Syracuse. I'll give my class. We, what we do is teach people how to build better bone strength naturally, and we have a whole comprehensive program, which is called the Better Bone Solution. It's actually a course you can do online, or you can attend it in person. We do it maybe once or twice a year in person, but the online is always available. You have it forever, all the videos, and it's a wonderful four-day course. So we'll give that course in conjunction with these testing so that people can understand whatever the reading is, how to build strength naturally, what the next steps would be. And so, yeah, people can well, feel free. Yeah, that's great. So betterbones.com, everybody. Please write Better that down. Betterbones.com is our website, right? Yeah, and um, and, um, and there's there's a course, but I'm wondering if you haven't, you know, been diagnosed with osteoporosis, wouldn't it be smart as far as prevention goes to start? Would you benefit from taking that course and learn what to well, do? So comfortable, especially it would be very good to know your bone strength, you know, because it would it would actually. Actually, Harold Frost, a famous doctor years ago, described that you could have half of your bone density and still not fracture as long as the architecture was correct, as long as it was repairing itself sufficiently. So there's a lot more to bone than just what we call bone density. It's that collagen protein matrix, that architecture with inside, which needs all these trace minerals, manganese, zinc, copper, boron. These things are extremely important to that collagen matrix. And so you definitely would like to know, but you have a couple tip-offs. I'll tell you a couple tips-off. If you say, look, I've got receding gums, and they keep receding, you know that's a sign of loss of the spinal bone density. The jawbone is the only bone you can see, and definitely that's a sign of loss. And in Europe, some progressive dentists actually measure the premolars, and they can see the trabecular structure, that little, those plates within bone, and, and predict how much weakness there is in the spine. <coughs> So you look for that, and there's a there's one overlooked correlation. Just like in your early days, you said, 
you know, people are missing this gut story. And you detected that decades before anyone else did. But just like we know now, the real link is the muscle bone link. If you have weak muscles, you're going to have weak bones. And so it's really important to look at that. And we always say it's about staying stronger longer. It's whole body strength. And so if you say, look, I'm feeling kind of, we all lose muscle as we age. And largely it's because of an acid condition. And, and just aging itself, we kind of have to fight back when we get older because to maintain muscle mass, the future, I'm sure, we're going to move away from just focusing on bone and we're going to measure muscle and bone because you lose them together and you gain them together. And people are not not to be getting terribly upset about a bone change, but to think, hey, this is a whole loss of overall strength, overall detoxification capacity, overall lack of antioxidants, lack of minerals, acidification of my body. And we need to take a whole body approach instead of frightening women with these bone density tests. So if you're working on your muscles, you can assume you're building bone too? Yes, exactly. And there's the most interesting studies are the ones from Australia, the Australian Bone Clinic. This is Belinda Beck, a researcher who's 20, 30 years, worked with building strength. I did an interview on betterbones.com. You'll see an interview with Dr. Belinda Beck. And she has older women. These women are 60s, 70s, 80s building a lot of bone, reversing osteoporosis with strength training. And these are like Olympic weightlifting exercises. Like I say Olympic because they're like squats and deadlifts and pull downs. And these women are building a lot of bone. They're carefully supervised. But she took on the challenge. Researchers know that if you build muscle, you build bone. But they always said, well, these old women, they're going to fracture when they do this. She has it so carefully supervised and she knows the what will stress the bones and not cause breaking that she has these women are not breaking not fracturing at all but they're building you know 10 15 5 7 percent of bone it's very exciting and they can find it at the australian bone clinic we did a blog on it if you look at my blogs betterbones.com you look at how cindy built so much bone she built 14 percent in her hip in a year and a half and she did her son was a trainer she learned these exercises she did them you can see the type of exercises they're talking about. Uh, and, and you, you know, probably, um, I was going to say, yeah, so <clears throat> well, go ahead and finish what you were going to say. Well, I was just going <laughs> to say, I'm sure in your field, you, you've done health for a long time. And, and there's not a field, whether you're talking about cancer, diabetes, heart disease, even dementia, there's not a field where any therapy is much better than exercise. We need all the therapies, but exercises. The body was meant to move. The body, every single ailment is improved by getting an active lifestyle and building muscle. Well, I can just see or t- imagine people cringing right now because, first of all, a lot of people, especially that I work with, they don't have the energy to exercise. So that means they are, it's hopeless. They aren't going to be able to build bone, build muscle. Um, I try to help people more with diet, and I know that it's... You know, recently been stated and discovered in research that as you get older, surprisingly, you need more protein to build yes. muscle. But as we get older, we lose the ability to digest protein. Is if you know, assuming we had it to begin with, we start to lose our hydrochloric acid and pepsin and our enzymes in the small intestine, and so we're not digesting protein. And so we're not going to build muscle then. Then so it sort of. And now we have as much as 4 million estimated long haulers who are around and they have no energy. The number one uh, symptoms they all have is fatigue. So, you know, they don't want to lose bone uh, or muscle. (laughs) So what do you, do you, I'm sure you get people like that in your clinic all the time, but where would somebody begin if they, obviously if they're a long hauler, they need to get over that. Well, you've got a really good point. I mean, I could be enthusiastic about exercise, but some people may not be well enough to do strenuous exercise. But remember that even walking is a big help. The people who walked regularly had a 40% reduction in hip fracture risk. If you just walked a half an hour a day. I mean, it's some simple things mm-hmm. like that. But more importantly, and more importantly from the way you work, which is really the whole body, the, the mind, the spirit, the emotional thing, Exercises like Tai Chi, Qi Kung, yoga, these actually bring energy into the body. These breathing exercises, these slow motions, these ancient 
Eastern exercises are very excellent to build bone, to load bone, and also to harmonize that nervous system so you can get adequate hydrochloric acid so your digestion is stronger so you aren't constantly running in fight or flight. That's right. There's so you can you can you can modify the exercise. Even your people, even the long haulers, they can do breathing exercises sitting in a chair. Do mm-hmm. a series of pranayama. They're very powerful. I actually keep um, light weights around, and when I'm talking on the phone or something, I'll just pick them up and use yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I've actually struggled with chronic fatigue and candidiasis and all that all my life. And so what happens is you get well for a while, and then you kind of slip back into it, and so. And you don't have any energy in there to build back out of that hole, but um, but I've always been able to do that. You know, just pick up some at least right. three pound weights. Pretty soon, you know, you're using five pound weights, and also that would be at least good. But you said a couple of really important things I want to get into. I want to talk about acid alkaline for, but let's set this aside for a second. Um, you actually said, um, well, actually, let's not set it aside just yet. Let's. You have a whole book on acid alkaline, and I got the understood acid alkaline years ago because I was macrobiotic for seven years. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, and there's you know the yin yang theory, and then there's that they teach and follow, and there's the acid alkaline theory. Right. And so I learned that, and I followed it always and believed in it. I've actually had a few experts over the years say the whole thing is ridiculous, but let's talk about acid alkaline because nobody really knows much about it. Yeah, and you were the you were very early to to pick this up from the Oriental medicine that everything, this whole world is a play of different forces, of yin and yang, day and night, heavy and light, and we need that's the balance of all these forces. And in the body, there's endless number of balances that occur, without which we couldn't live. You know, it's like the temperature has to be just right to balance our. Our, our digestive enzymes do not act unless there's a certain environment, and much of the environment is determined by pH. Another way to put it, the most important homeostatic balance in the body for minute-to-minute survival is pH, because we're a great chemical manufacturing plant. It's hard to imagine that we produce our weight in ATP every day. I mean, that's like that's hard to believe. That's such an such an efficient and robust energy production plant and that produces a lot of oxidative damage for every molecule of ATP you have to have a molecule of magnesium so we can see why that's so important acid-base balance is all about providing the minerals that the body needs to stay in homeostasis we can tolerate an acidic tilt. You say you're not going to die if you if you eat hamburgs and French fries all all your life. You aren't going to die, but you're going to have weaker muscles. You're going to have weaker bones. You're not going to be able to produce ATP so well. You're going to find that you're much more subject to uh, certainly bone loss and to metabolic syndrome, all, all kinds of things. Because why? Because the cells require. If you change the pH of the blood just a tiny bit, which is still compatible in life. You know, the blood has to be 1.35 to 1.37 pH. And you can tilt a little bit to the acid and you won't die, but cellular functioning changes. You don't produce protein so well. You don't produce ATP so well. Your immune system weakens. In the book, Acid Alkaline Food Guide, we host a whole string of things that happen when you just have a slightly acidic tilt. And you detected this years ago with with this oriental uh, philosophy of yin and yang where those different which some the expansive part is the alkaline the contraction part is the yang and this is how they the major duality out of which all uh, evolution has developed in in that system the two polar opposites shift one to the other and and go mm-hmm. back and forth and uh, you know yeah, I'm you often were, trying to remind people like I have a brother who's super negative about the situation in the world because you know we're baby boomers and it's the world is very different than it used to be and he just thinks everything's you know going to pot so I'm always trying to tell him we live in a yin yang world we live in a world where we came in here and there's yeah. good and there's bad at the same time. And so that you're always focusing and pulling up all the bad stuff. But I live in a world with a lot of amazing doctors, functional medicine doctors that are experts out there and people like you that are in, you know, helping people with this information. This information didn't exist 
10, 20, 30 years ago is an extraordinary time as well, even though it's kind of also a bad time. So right. that is a perfect example to me of the fact that we are, I think people need to understand we live in a yin yang world and we're going to have good and bad at the same time. And <clears throat> I applied that to food. So, um, and that, that I thought was really uh, a good, ch- an important chapter in the book and in your book. I, I didn't realize that you were the author of that book because I've seen that book everywhere for long time now so and um you can get it on kindle by the way everybody you don't have to go and, by and the what book. we know what we what the focus now is on is on metabolic acidosis i mean the 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 fact that we evolved on diets very high in magnesium potassium these minerals that serve to alkalize the chemistry now we don't consume these foods and actually the calculation is about i just saw today Best Dawson Hughes from from Tufts University just calculated um, like like 12, uh, 12 servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds, spices to alkalize. The average American does not three, one out of three people doesn't even have one fruit or one vegetable a day. And we're talking like seven, eight, ten servings. So we've strayed so far from what our ancestral diet was and our genetic machinery is evolved around this ancestral diet we're way too acid so interesting this is where your anthropology yeah exactly training came in but as you know they didn't have fruit in a lot of you know parts of the year so uh what did people just in case people don't know this what did people our early man eat because there's some controversy about that too I'm sorry, controversy. I'm having a little hard time hearing oh, controversy okay. about well, what. Well, for example, if you listen to some people, um, our early ancestors hunted right. and they ate a lot of game if right. they were fortunate enough to get a rabbit or a deer or something. Mm-hmm. But um, they didn't have fruits, for example. So they can't have, they didn't have seven, you know, fruits or vegetables. Well, you're so, thinking, what did they eat? Well, you yeah. probably, well, there's a lot of studies on that. And actually, like the Bushmen ate a hundred different kinds of plants, a hundred different kinds. It's a hundred different, well, we eat maybe five or six things over and over again. And you're thinking of these very, this paleo, these very cold age populations, that time when there was extensive glaciers. We tend to think of that as prehistory, but there's many, many millennia of a prehistory that weren't really cold age. And even in the cold age, even in the ice ages, Wherever you ate meat, you know what you always ate? Bones. And that bones had a very substantial mineral content. And I'm sure in some of your work, even, I mean, if you've ever been with indigenous people, they eat everything. They eat the liver, the kidneys, the lungs, and those things all are mineral rich. And certainly, we're the, one of the few cultures that takes just the muscle out and eats that and discards all of these organs, which are so rich, and the bones. You probably had grandparents that chewed on a chicken bone, you know. I mean, that that has as much as much calcium as a as a cup of milk, you know. It's very new, new, very nourishing. And, uh, mm, I actually we used to have ham all the time, and I would take that little ham bone and suck on it for hours too. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it was good for my bones. Everybody laughed at me and thought it was crazy, but I love that little bone. <laughs> too, so. That's interesting. That I didn't know that. Well, um, so. Well, we definitely want to go more into diet as a as a therapy, and as a, but I didn't want to go back to something you said. Um, if you have a DEXA scan yep. and you're told that you have osteoporosis, even severe osteoporosis, um, I've been told actually by a bone doctor, I think she's a nurse practitioner, but she said it means your whole body has osteoporosis. And I said, well, like in my case, I live in a four-story house. I go up and down the stairs all many times in a day or a week or something like that. And I know my bones are strong. I mean, I know my legs are strong. My muscles are strong. Wouldn't my bones be strong in my legs or my arms or something? No, no. This bone density scan determines your whole bone, um, how, you know, how healthy your bone is. So is that not true? Was she wrong? Well, bone strength is very site-specific. Like if I go start lifting a lot of weights on my arms, my arm bones are going to get stronger. So it's not, and if and if I work my lower legs, my hips going to get stronger. So it's not really, you think, well, the body distributes bone fairly equally, and that's probably true in one sense, but the use, I mean, right-handed baseball players have stronger right arms. I mean, if you use the bones, you will develop them stronger. But... You know, but you, you, I think you're hitting at the question is how does, how does a woman balance being told she has osteoporosis? Now, in my book, 
Osteoporosis really is defined by needless fracture. That it's not an osteoporosis until there's needless fracture because they haven't been able to predict fracture by bone density actually. But still, there's about a third of the women will experience a needless fracture, and that we don't like that. You know, even though the hip fracture rate is declining probably largely because of vitamin D awareness in the last few decades. Vitamin D is terribly important and terribly essential and so simple. Um, but it, it, so I, I don't, I don't want to minimize it, but if a person, it's, it's like the opportunity to say, okay, let me review my, my eating, let me review my nutrients, let me review my family history. Like if I have a family history of a, a lot of fractures, old age, like hip fractures, say, well, maybe I should pay because there is these untold genetic forces that you want to think about. Or I would look at my behavioral patterns. Am I not really getting enough protein? Am I getting too much protein, which is rare? Am I, am I actually, the neuroendocrine balance is really important. Stress is terrifically damaging to bone. So how do I handle my uh, unsteadiness in this chaotic and constantly changing world? That's extremely important. How can I become at ease? And of course we know ease is the opposite of disease, you know, and we, we don't have enough ease and we get into disease and so it's it's okay, get your bone density, but just realize this is an opportunity to step up to the bat and say, I can take charge of my health. And that's why we developed this Better Bones Solution Program. So many people become terrorized. The doctor says you have the bones of an 80-year-old. Well, the doctor doesn't know that, but they that's how they interpret the bone density. And so you use that as a challenge to say, okay, let me take every step of developing my diet, a great alkaline diet, kind of with all these ferments and things you talk about, enhancing my digestion, looking at all the nutrients. There's 17 nutrients that are essential for bone health. We have a list in betterbones.com of the 17 key bone nutrients, how much we should have of each. And then, of course, every nutrient is important to bone. So you look at how can I be totally nutrient repleted, and you think about the hormones of distress. And digestion is a really big part. I see, I rarely see a serious bone health problem where there's not a digestive concern. Mm-hmm. Well, especially now, it seems like so many people have small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So yes, yes, yes. With fungal overgrowth. Um, the thing is, is that the small intestine is where so many of all your nutrients are absorbed. So if you've got an infection in there, then you're definitely, or irritable bowel is another, you know, category yes. that SIBO falls into. Any kind of a gut problem is going to be a bone problem in my, in my, that's why I got so interested in this. I thought, gee, I'm always focusing on this. This is important too, and they're tied together. Um, so the, um, getting back to the nutrients, the minerals in particular, calcium is, I think, confusing to people because women are told to take maybe as much as 1,500 milligrams of calcium. And then um, one of the nutrients, of course, is vitamin K. Now, I know Dr. Levy, Levy, Thomas Levy's out there with a video that's probably been reviewed thousands and thousands of times about calcium is calcium by death or something it's called. So can we just kind of talk about calcium for a minute? Well, you're talking about, yes. You see, for decades, we and a few others have said that it's misguided to put all this emphasis on calcium, that calcium, because there's a lot of calcium in bone, we've got distracted thinking calcium is really the most important bone building nutrient. And and of course, the dairy industry has helped that. There's been a lot of promotion of calcium. But as it turns out, this push to have women take high amounts of calcium, like 1,200, 1,500, 2,000 is not a great idea. And we said it decades ago because it's going to unbalance all the other nutrients. And if you don't have the nutrients to keep calcium in solution, like the vitamin K, particularly MK7, or if you don't have magnesium, or if you're in an acid condition, you're likely you can precipitate out that. And you can, a certain number of women get hardening of the arteries because they're just taking too much calcium. All It was a big mistake to tell people to take a lot of calcium. And especially without the companion nutrients, like particularly magnesium and MK7. MK7 is one of the few known, vitamin K as MK7, is one of the few known factors that can prevent 
arterial calcification. And sometimes we even see initial reversers of arterial calcification. So MK7 is a key one. Magnesium is really important. In magnesium deficit, you're like, which most people are in magnesium deficit, you're likely to have much more problems with calcium. So we say, the research says if you have 800 milligrams of calcium, the only people that benefit from calcium are those that have very low levels. Say you're taking three or 400 milligrams, you're just that you're on a very low calcium diet. Uh, well, there's today. so many different forms of magnesium. Um, is there one that's been particularly shown? Like there's magnesium malate, magnesium glycinate, there's magnesium citrate, yeah, which is yeah. a good uh, laxative, for example. But well, um, is there one in particular that's been identified, or you just have several of them? Well, you know, this is, this is the age of magnesium. You know, this is the age of mm -hmm. minerals. Really what's happened, we talked about vitamins. Um, the next stage is going to be antioxidants because all disorders are related to antioxidant deficit. But nonetheless, magnesium and vitamin is a key factor today. What happens is magnesium, there are many forms, and magnesium is only taken into the cell by one channel, the calcium-magnesium ATPase channel. That channel can get blocked with pesticides, plasticizers, all kinds of pollutants, and many of these they're calling forever pollutants, that the body never gets rid of them. I mean, I'm sure you've heard that even newborn baby has like 138 toxic chemicals before they're born in the umbilical cord. We're dealing with all of this stuff, and that can block that one channel. So magnesium does not get into the cell. And what happens is people get a loose stool. So many people will say, I can't take magnesium. Magnesium, it gives me diarrhea. And, and some types of magnesium they actually use as a laxative. But you want magnesium in the cell and you want a form of magnesium that's alkalizing. So what we do is we use a very pure, high quality magnesium that has some glycinate, has some citrate, has some ascorbate, has a mix of different magnesiums. We call it ionized magnesium. And the gist is because it's ionized, it's ready to be used by the body. And if you don't absorb one, you'll absorb the other. Now the second real trick to this was developed by my mentor and the fact that if you have a block to magnesium uptake, and, and it'd be fun to see how many of your people say, I get diarrhea from magnesium. People will say, oh, I'm allergic to it. I can't use it. That's not the case. They have a block to magnesium uptake. And you can correct that by creating a neutral pore. In other words, instead of going through the calcium-magnesium channel, ATPase, you create a neutral pore, and you do that with choline citrate. So there is a liquid choline citrate that you can add couple teaspoons a day when you take your magnesium in divided doses that will allow for the uptake of magnesium and it alkalizes really well. And that's a product oh, wow. I learned I've never even from. heard of it. Yes. Where do you get that? You know, and 90% of the population is deficient in choline and choline mm -hmm. actually really helps to prevent this fatty liver and it's even, it's even effective for fetal alcohol syndrome for the women mm -hmm. to take that if they're drinking and it's very essential for optimum liver functioning and optimum brain functioning. So in all these mm -hmm. programs for dementia, you're going to see they're using choline because acetylcholine is produced from that. It's a major neurotransmitter in the brain. Same thing with the children, the mothers with higher choline intake. If you have a higher choline intake, this is really interesting. We did a, we did a TikTok on this and we got 2 million views. That wow. Here at Cornell University, they found if they gave these mothers choline, these these Mother's during pregnancy. Eat. Yes. Every woman should take choline during pregnancy, which you can also find in eggs, for example. Egg and what they found is, though, that choline allows the liver to, to liberate omega-3 fats. And those omega-3 mm. fats were given to the child, and the child had better mental development, better brain, brain development. And so it even enhances the brain of your child. You'd like to, to, you, you want to take the fish oils yourself, but you can liberate, even if you take a small amount, you can liberate them using choline. So the choline citrate is a special liquid only made by, only made by my mentor. Um, we have it at Alkaline for Life and betterbones.com is one of our products. Mm -hmm. And it's, 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 you don't want to use choline by tartrate that has binders and fillers, some additives that people, we're, we're, we're very, sen we work with a lot of very hypersensitive people, like people with autoimmune mm -hmm. disease or people that mm -hmm. really want to protect their digestion. So we never use fillers, binders, additives, but uh, that's a very interesting thing. Magnesium uh, affects 600 different enzyme and reactions. And if you're, so you're deficient in magnesium, which 60% of the population is, you've got 600 things that are going wrong. So you, so this is really important information. I hope people heard that. 
play it back over again. We all know by now that we need magnesium, but magnesium is not getting into the cell no matter how much you're taking. So you take the uh, choline citrate, which oh, I've never heard of. I've heard of, of course, zinc citrate and potassium citrate and all, but I've never heard of choline citrate. Well, because so it's, it's a amazing. citrate. It's a citrate form uh, that combined with the choline creates a neutral pore that allows magnesium to get into the cell. And people try it. Like if you have, if somebody says, look, I just get loose stool from magnesium. Mm-hmm. Then they just add a teaspoon of choline citrate. Usually you take your magnesium some in the day, some in the evening, because it's magnesium relaxes the body, you know, mm-hmm. calcium fires it up. So just give it a try. We always say um, go by results. We can we can send anybody information on it that wants to see the science behind it, but it's oh, great. a very... What about children? Can a child take it? Can you give it to your child? Well, there's a, we you know, there's, there's a, there is a dietary recommended dose for children of choline okay. and so mm-hmm. this is a liquid I don't know if it'd be like a quarter of a teaspoon or something I we have that you just look up the RDA one one teaspoon um, one teaspoon of this choline citrate has like I believe it's like 650 milligrams and so a kid might require 200 so you just give them that mm-hmm. lower dose you just give mm-hmm. them a, 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 a titrate the dose cut it you know it's it. a liquid though. it's a liquid very easy to use a little bit of a sour liquid mm-hmm. choline citrate yeah, it's um, and alkaline you know, for life. Our, our our the company. You see, I'm basically a researcher, but uh, but dealing with bone health, I found that there weren't the products we needed, and I, so then I we got knew into. You were going to say that. I totally understand that. You realize yeah. you have to put things out into the world because they're not available for people. You can talk about them. That happened to me with stevia. I said, get off of sugar. Yeah, and uh, you can't. Yeah, I can't have sugar. And but there's nothing else except for NutraSweet and Equal that wasn't an option. So I started searching, and like you, you know, just came out some things that didn't exist before. And stevia is everywhere now, but it was brand new once upon a time. So so you you began. I saw you began early on with that, helping people understand Mm -hmm. the value of that. Yeah, the book had a whole chapter, and I even asked people, please write to the. Uh, FDA and asked for this to be approved because they didn't want it approved because um, Monsanto had NutraSweet and Equal and Stevia was a threat. Now right. fast forward, many, many, it's a plant so you can't, um, you know, they couldn't get a pat- nobody can get a patent on it, it's just a plant. But, but what they've done is taken the Stevia that I re- recommend is actually really aside, and the um, Chinese and the Japanese work together to develop the technology to pull the two sweet elements out of the Stevia leaf because it has a bad taste, like a very uh-huh. strong bitter um, licorice taste. But they take out the robotic side and the stevia side and mix them together in certain proportions and that makes a really great stevia. And it's everywhere now. Uh-huh. But what happened was over, so they wouldn't approve it for years. And then finally, 15 years later, they suddenly approved it. Coke and Pepsi got approval. But why? Why? Because they now, Cargill now owned all the stevia plants in the world. So they do control it. So uh, it's an interesting story. I've been following it since the very, very beginning. I even wrote a little book about it. But, uh, you know, if people couldn't, like Stonyfield wanted to really put stevia in their yogurt, but they couldn't because it wasn't approved, to, you know, and mm-hmm. now it is approved to be a sweetener. But anyway, yeah, I know yeah, exactly yeah. what you mean because I've fought those battles too. And, and therefore, <laughs> the biggest thing is letting people know these things are available and that there's a better alternative. So I'm really glad we're doing this podcast. It's bringing a lot of, I mean, I think I know a lot, and I didn't know this at all. So this is exciting. I am excited about this. Um, mm-hmm. So I, it's just bringing up so many, so many things I want to ask you about. So you mentioned stress is definitely one of those things that cause <clears throat> us to lose our bone architecture. Do you mind just, I, I never heard that term before, bone architecture. Would you just explain that? Sure, sure, sure. When we think of bone, in fact, I usually have some bones. You think of that hard outer cortical shell of bone. And if you have a fresh bone, you'll see inside of it, there's what we look at as bone marrow, but there's also bone, uh, there's a structure, an architectural structure, this woven structure of bone, very thin plates that are woven together. And it's those thin plates that give strength to bone. Not so the outer core, the cortical bone is really important, but it's the internal trabecular bone, which is collagen, which is largely, largely based of it's it's collagen fibers that become mineralized and and it gives flexibility to the bone. So that is where you need trace minerals like zinc, manganese, and copper. You know, you you might have been 
if you followed Bone back in the in the seventies, you'd remember Bill Walton was a famous basketball player, and he's in California, and he kept fracturing, and. So the researchers sat down to figure out why he was fracturing. He was on a macrobiotic diet. They figured, these guys got a good diet. But they found out that he was deficient in manganese, zinc, and copper. When they gave him those trace minerals, he did not fracture again. And like, I, and then they went on to study it. And I, I, I always comment that millions of old ladies can fracture. Nobody studies it. But one basketball player fractures, and they figure out why he's fracturing. And that's how we learned that trace minerals were important, even though tiny amounts. Um, and not for that hard, hard outer shell of bone, for that interior trabecular, those trabecular plates that give strength to bone. Okay, so, you yeah, just told me tra- something. I bet nobody knows. That's so interesting. And then the collagen, is the collagen... I mean, that's so hot right now. And it has, like I always tell people, everything has this front and back side because we live in this yin-yang world, right? Food, this food might be great for you, but it's got a back side. So go look for both. Antibiotic, it's good. It had a back side to it. You know? So if you start to think that way, if you understand the principle of balance and the principle of yin and yang, which Americans didn't understand, couldn't even remember which is yin, which is yang. So I changed those terms and I say, the contractive forces or the expansive forces then people can remember that but um yeah we live in that kind of world and um there's so i just i do see collagen as uh people raving over you going to the health food store and there's shelves and shelves of collagen um could you talk about do you like collagen well it's i mean you know what i just before that i come your, your whole thing about the back and the front is really like a non-dual attitude that there is there is within everything is the opposite and sometimes they're exchanging one with the other and it's all one from one this creative force behind this whole universe has many manifestations and i like to and there's not a good or a bad there's just different you know there's like you said the back side the front side um and and everything serves many functions. Like we are attracted with collagen now because some thoughts that it creates helps reduce wrinkles and and helps uh, skin stay more moist and that. And the truth is, we start losing losing collagen about thirty five forty about uh, I don't know five or six percent every decade. A lot of collagen. It's very difficult to maintain collagen, um, but there is thought that if you take collagen and you can digest it, at least some of those precursors, some of those nutrients, glycine and other amino acids are made available. So it's, and it is, it does give you about 10 grams of protein. And we think from an anthropological point of view, I mean, uh, our ancestors ate everything. They ate the joints, they ate the tendons, they ate every piece of, they sucked on those bones, they ate certainly that collagen, that fibrous tissue that holds all our organs together. Everything was eaten. So it's not strange to our diet, but the processed collagen, I mean, there's some, they're making new types. They're trying to scientifically validate it. We, a lot of, uh, I work with young people in my office. They love collagen, so we have collagen. We, I, I use it. We sell a, a fish a fish collagen because it's kind of a smaller peptide, easier to mm-hmm. digest. But uh, I like that. That's the one I like too. I certainly wouldn't collagen. rely on it for my bone program, but it it does help. Many people notice their fingernails are better. Many people notice their hairs hairs better. Um, well, it, one of the things I don't know. A lot of my people know about oxalates because I've been promoting it for many years. And oxalates, by the way, can contribute to very weak bones. Um, I don't know if we should get into that, but I was going to say you do have to be careful with oxalates, Oxalates, which are in a lot of uh, certain foods, like spinach is incredibly high. So I really try to, I want people to eat dark green leafy vegetables, great source of magnesium, for example, but not spinach. Well, you see, it's an incredibly high source of oxalates, and oxalates do, well, I was always trying to find some research on it, and oxalates actually get into your kidneys. They're really well known for that, but they get into the bones as well. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I I think what's happened today with this weakness in digestion, many people have, they feel they have a very severe problem with oxalates, and Mm -hmm. there are a small number of people, they really do tend to crystallize them. You can actually, you can actually measure oxalate in the stool. 
like we're we're mm-hmm. we're in the I'm sorry in the urine you can get a little dipstick to measure oxalates to see if you're an oxalate former. Most people are not oxalate formers, but maybe the you reason can. I start- think, yeah, the reason I think it has become a problem is because we've used antibiotics and we've wiped out a right. particular the, the, bacteria called Oxalobacter formigeni, and his only job in life was to eat the oxalates in the food. So, if you haven't had a lot of antibiotics, that's not an issue for you then no, you should not worry about oxalates because the body has that all handled. But um, there are some people, like I'm a good example of that. I took antibiotics for years uh, because I was told that it would keep my skin from breaking out and then I don't have that bacteria in my gut. So I am sensitive to high oxalate foods. That doesn't mean I, I, um, well, one thing is fermented vegetables have all these bacteria. They eat oxalates. I'm always trying to find you know, the other side, like how can we fix this problem in a healthy way? So that's how I fix it. But but you said something and I wanted people to be sure to to jump back over to another subject that, that I think, I hope people heard you say this, that um, bones are flexible because people don't think of bones as flexible. I certainly didn't. I thought they were these really hard things and they got more brittle and snapped as we got older. That's where the risk was. And then I started really thinking about things and I thought, you know, there's way more bone creatures on the earth that have bone in them, even insects, which I'm sure ancient people ate insects too and they would have gotten their bones when they ate the cricket or whatever. But um, but the thing is, the um, this whole idea of, of flexible like I started thinking well you know what if we didn't have bones what would we be like and then I realized gee we would just be this blop on the ground right right there'd be nothing to us we'd be a blop and so we couldn't protect ourselves we couldn't run away from danger like a jellyfish yeah exactly exactly yeah yeah. so it's they're great I started having this whole new appreciation of the bones in my body (laughs) and then as I continued to learn 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 I came upon this hormone that the this is another thing that really surprised me. We we all know, for example, the adrenals, you know, secrete hormones and there's estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, but I never would have thought the bones would secrete a hormone. Yeah. So, can we just kind of sidetrack on that topic because n- nobody knows about Well, actually topic. the hormones produce the the bones produce several hormones and one of the most important ones is osteocalcin which is a protein that actually is used in bone formation but it come to find out it has many other roles in the body and the most interesting role of osteocalcin well they certainly it's very interesting many of the hormones that bone produces affect how we use energy how we use sugar in the body because it turns out the bones need a lot of energy and so the bones have some you know the brain uses it weighs like what five pounds it uses 20 percent of our energy the bones use second after the brain energy so it needs they need a lot of energy and they actually control a lot about how energy is going to be used in the body and how energy is going to be metabolized osteocalcin helps in that there is a there is a Dr. Karsensky at Harvard at Columbia University who's, who spent his life looking at osteocalcin, and his latest observation. There's two types of osteocalcin. It can be carboxylated, and we think of like vitamin K is uh, the osteocalcin is carboxylated with vitamin K, and that makes it the factor that helps k- keep calcium in the bone. Or it can be undercarboxylated, which is not really useful to keep calcium in the bone. But undercarboxylated osteocalcin also has functions. It's your same thing, your front and your back here. Undercarboxylated osteocalcin, the bone excretes, takes from bone and puts into general circulation when you are facing severe danger. And I've written a blog called How Bone Responds to Danger. And bone is the first organ in the body that responds to danger, even before the adrenals. It gives up this osteocalcin, undercarboxylated, puts into general circulation, and you know why? To shut off the parasympathetic nervous system so the body can stay in fight or flight for a longer period of time. So bone is like they're protecting you. Should you, evolutionarily, should you fall into a pit and the tigers are after you and there's a fire, you have to have every bit of energy you can have. And that bone sacrifices its protein to turn off the turn off switch to that stress. And 
you might say, well, there's no tiger on my tail. I haven't fallen into a pit, but we live under a lot of stress. And so I speculate that I have seen worry damage bone over decades, and I suspect that's part of the mechanism that bone is helping us respond to the sense of danger. Well, I am familiar with uh, the same work that you're referring to. Is it Dr. Karpowski or Karsensky, yeah. Karsensky, okay. So people should really look into his work, especially practitioners should really, because it has, osteocalcin has this regulatory function. And like, it just amazed me that there are receptors in the brain for osteocalcin, and that's uh, really influencing neurotransmitter production. So depression, anxiety, uh, but uh, in memory, there's like, our bone is so much more yes, than just yes. this hard shaped, you know, brittle thing that can break. It's it's amazing what they're discovering. So that's yes. why I had to talk to you. And I'm so exactly. happy you understand this. Yeah, and, and like you said, we even just producing hormones, we don't think of the bones as doing that when it produces several different hormones. And, and we don't think that bones also store heavy metals they if you get exposed to lead or mercury or cadmium the body shoves it into bone to keep it out of circulation not to do damage and bone also is of course the great reservoir for alkali minerals so that if you fail to eat for a few days you're not going to die because your blood calcium gets too low or because your ph gets too low you're just going to take it out of bone i call the bone the great giver it's always willing to sacrifice mm. itself Wow. And if you think about it, it your bone is going to last a lot longer than you do. So the body's saying, hey, well, I, uh, I'll be around. I can, I'm the mother. I can sacrifice myself for the rest of this body. Gosh, that just gives me shivers. Like, now I have an even more appreciation for that. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so, but um, you mentioned hormones. Like, I was surprised to see that um, osteocalcin is also responsible for releasing testosterone, which has to do with infertility. Yes. If there's not enough, what, who would think that? And then in Dr. Kabarski's work, I, I don't Karsensky, know Karsensky's yeah. work, he starts to say, well, what, what all these different things that it's doing, what, what ties them all together? Well, basically, they're all in some way helping us survive helping us run away from danger. We wouldn't be able to run away from danger if we didn't have bones, but then the bones are secreting this wonderful hormone that's making our memory sharper, it's giving us testosterone, which gives us more muscle mass. It's all about survival. So I hope when people listen to this, they totally you know, change our whole thinking and appreciation and understanding of bone. And then they come to you because you really are an expert in the programs that you develop, the blogs that you have. You know, they won't find this if they go to the normal doctor, and they and those doctors don't even know this. Well, and so your, your point really, I mean, I often say if we could be as smart as our body, it would be amazing. I mean, you have billions, like 30 billion cells, each of them doing thousands of things every second. I mean, we have no, if we can't be nearly that smart, but we, we aren't that smart, but if we could at least avoid interrupting that flow of intelligence. And so much of our medical procedures, our drug as a medication, interrupt that flow of intelligence. And we tinker, we say, oh, osteocalcin helps with this, so let's let's suppress it or let's increase it. But it, they, you don't look at, you can't look at all the collateral effects. So like you teach too, the byline is stay as healthy as you can because once you start intervening, then many of these balances are affected, which uh, untold ways. I mean, it's like the body is beyond, uh, it's beyond our imagination, all the intelligence. If you think about it, the same energy that holds the cosmos in place, that keeps the stars where they belong, controls our whole body so to be awake yeah, to there's a, such an order to it too like we don't have a disorderly universe but you know that's another thing i found interesting as i studied this more and more is that these organs actually talk to each other and you know you don't just have your brain over there doing brain thing and we all know that yeah. brain connection but you don't have the heart over there doing its thing in the liver over here just doing liver they're actually all in constant communication with each other and Therefore, it makes understanding the body seem overwhelmingly complex. But that's the other thing I find. The more you learn, the more it gets down to really basic things that you can do. And diet is critical. You've got yes, to, and, yes, and yes. I would even throw in for most people, because I know some people initially have trouble with fermented foods, but 
you, there's a couple of like fermented vegetables to me are at the top of the list. They have the most incredible diversity of microbes that are doing so many things besides you know producing minerals and extracting nutrients from our food and protecting us from toxins and parasites and things like that. There's like untold number of things that those microbes are doing in this simple food. And I've, that's why I'm always trying to say, please eat a few fermented foods with that kind of diversity. Yes, yes, yes. That's a huge thing. Like they know with COVID in the countries like Korea, for example, where they had kimchi, they didn't have a big issue with COVID and people didn't die. So because their immune system was stronger and because there are all these great things happening in their gut. But um, so the, um, <laughs> there's so many things I want to ask you about, but I know we can't talk forever. Getting to the gut though. So, so many people are eating gluten and that causes a leaky gut or they have the wrong microbes in their gut. People with COVID and long haulers mm -hmm. show a seriously disrupted microbiome yeah. versus the people that don't have that problem. So just like you always have to kind of look at the gut, does it play a role? And I was, of course, naturally went to find out about the connection between gut health and bones. And of course there is one. So do you, um, do you have anything to say about that in particular? Well, I, what, what I would say is I really, I, again, I congratulate you for being way ahead of the crowd on this to realizing that these ancient traditions of eating these fermented foods had really, were grounded in wisdom, wisdom we didn't understand, but you understood enough to say this is a good idea, we should do it ourselves. And it's interesting to look to what has persisted over the millennium and certainly the fact that even our mitochondria comes from bacteria. We are just one part of this fabric of life, and these bacteria should not be our enemies, but our friends, and certainly uh, ingesting fermented foods is a really great way to begin. And just getting back to, you know, I mean, how many people take the time to cook, you know, simple whole foods, organic foods, promote organic food. We're, we're, really, we're really on the brink. We have the capacity to create a new society or to destroy ourselves. And so now there's a soil depletion. In 60 years, there'll be no topsoil unless these agricultural farms begin returning organic matter, these bacteria, the virus, the fungus to the soil. We're really, the earth will turn largely into sand and food will be grown on water and hydroponics. And so you, you got to think what we're doing, you know, what we're doing and what do we want to create. And it's a great time of opportunity. But each individual, we have to kind of just settle down and like pay attention to the most wholesome sort of living that we can possibly do. And like your fermented foods, like your fresh fruits and vegetables, eating according to season respecting the circadian rhythms of the universe and of our bodies, uh, getting adequate rest and, and finding meaningful activity, you know. And, and for me, it's mm -hmm. fun to learn and share. So that's what's meaningful. And certainly it's been the same for you for decades, mm -hmm. just yeah. sticking on that track. Of, and we're, there's new things to learn all the time. But mm -hmm. the ancient, I love the ancient systems. I love the ancient Chinese medicine. I love Ayurveda. I love acupuncture because they understood the principles of the universe that do not change. Uh, mm -hmm. So, yeah. That's what body ecology is really based on, these universal laws, principles. I tried to take the two that I learned in macrobiotics and expand them. Um, one of the things I, you know, as far as acid alkaline goes, I just encourage people to eat a diet that, let's say you have a piece of protein on your plate, then 80% of that food on your plate could be alkaline forming vegetables and some fermented vegetables. You don't have to have large portions, but that's one way to keep the acid alkaline balance. And I really do think, um, like other people don't have money sometimes, well, to make fermented vegetables is very inexpensive, especially for where you get the value you get from them. But I honestly think digestive enzymes are a good thing to have because we don't necessarily digest our food. And if we want to get these minerals and vitamins and proteins and fats into our body, we do need to digest them. And so fortunately we have digestive enzymes. We, we have them ourselves, but I, I do think like if it, people say, well, I don't want to take stuff. I would say at least eat right and take digestive enzymes most likely. Yes, and every case is somewhat different. Some people may need mm -hmm. more hydrochloric acid. We've gotten ourselves into deficit. I mean, if I were in perfect health, 
I would be around the world doing anthropology, but I'm interested in this because I still don't have perfect health. So I, I just what I want to say about our work, if I can put in a little notice, we have, a, we have an alkaline diet starter kit, which has the book that I wrote oh, and, and the pH oh. tape. So you can actually assess your own pH by looking at your first morning urine. So this kit at alkaline for life for better bones.com this has got all everything you need to get started and and we're really proud of the courses that my staff put together we i spent 40 35 years looking at bone health and we've put together a step-by-step program to rebuild bone health called the better bone solution and we even we even have some free courses on there that so check ch- take a look at betterbones.com and all the classes if you say i'm going to use bone health as a window of opportunity to rebuild my health that's we we have the information for you that's a great thing to say because when you start focusing on building better bones your everything else is going to improve everything right everything so that's yes. great very foundation because our bones are a foundation for us to be able to move around and yeah the basic and structure survive in this room yeah well you're right. you know i'm so grateful that you responded to my email and said yes you'll do this podcast because this is precious information and the work you've been doing for these 40 years I just wanted more people to know about it and hopefully spread the word that they go to the website, get the book, learn so much uh, that you have available, learn it, well, and then spread the word because this is a really critical time to help you people. Know, I, re- I really appreciate it because I can't tell you the thousands of women I've seen that are just scared to death. And they, this is an opportunity. They've been disempowered. They've been, they've been in a sense frightened about this bone health thing frightened into using bone drugs or frightened and think they mm-hmm, should use mm-hmm, bone drugs mm-hmm. and it's really time that women step up and learn what's really happening the value i'm writing a book now and the drugs i mean they have very limited you have to treat hundreds of people to prevent one fracture and so you want to you want to really look into what you're doing and what you're getting into and never are you going to duplicate the intelligence of this body so if you have the possibility maximize this intelligent and then you know when you have to use drugs and that they'll be there mm-hmm. well you know I just want to sort of I hope you've got a few more minutes but um, so I asked a bone doctor can you please order for me this test and I think it's called NTX is it NTX right. or CTX yeah so what I wanted to know is am I currently with all the things I'm doing today not the stress I've been under all my life or all the you know bad things I didn't that I didn't eat right for so many years that the fact that I had candida and you know viral infections right, right, and all right. these infections and toxins and all that I've got a lot of that straightened out now I want to know am I still losing yeah. bone so that test I thought was quite interesting so I you know sent a little note and that's how you get through to them you have to like send them a note and then she wrote back and she said um, no we don't do that test because we only do that test if you're already on a drug because we want to see if the drug's working. And yeah. she said, well, we would recommend for you at your age to do Avenity. So I went <laughs> into it, looked at that, and I, I noticed something, maybe it was Avenity, that when I went, let's say I did it, and then let's say in three or four or five years, I just said, I'm not going to do this anymore because I found something was bad. Then my osteoporosis would have been worse than before I went on the Avenity. So I thought, wow, like this is so many wrong... This information that people are getting is so wrong. Did you so, do? A, did you do a vanity? No. Oh, I was going to say, my God. No, 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 no. I, I automatically just snapped. I don't believe any of that in my innate wisdom. I guess you could say. But, but let me tell you, another solution. But there is a new. There is a new thing that in most states you can order your own medical test and you just self-pay, or you find a functional doctor or a nurse who's a little bit interested. The NTX is a marker of bone breakdown. When you lose bone, fragments of bone protein show up in the urine or the blood. So there's NTX, which is antilopeptides, and then there's CTX, which is a new marker, the same thing, C-tilopeptides. So you want to get one of those, and you can go to Quest and order it yourself, or we actually on betterbones.com, I have written an article about the medical workup for osteoporosis, and in that article, it's a blog, there is a thousand blogs on betterbones.com, and one of those is the medical workup for osteoporosis, and I list all the tests you should get if you're looking for hidden causes of bone loss, and I list there the bone breakdown tests, and we have a, and we you can get a link to a Vexia lab where you can order it yourself at a discount price, so you don't really have mm-hmm. to be dependent on that doctor. Maybe Good. you can find a doctor. Because they don't know, and yeah. But one, you know, the other thing is, I did find a, um, a way to get vitamin K tested, 
if you go to, I know there's a laboratory, but I know that ordinary people, I don't know if you have to have a doctor's order for that, but um, the Life Extension. Yes, you, Life Extension tests lots of things. Yeah, they test for vitamin K in case you want to know if you're deficient. I bet most people are. You know, where yes, are they it. getting vitamin K? The bacteria in their gut make it, but they don't have the bacteria in their gut. Um, it's in food and like dark green. You know, maybe maybe you're not taking it as a supplement. So that's maybe a good test to get. And it's the age of, test. it's truly the age of self-help testing. And Life Extension started yeah. that. We on our site, we can test for vitamin D and we can test for omega-3 fats. But Avexia Lab can test for everything. And there's only a few states where you can't use it, like New York and mm. uh, and New Jersey, the states that follow New York. But it's a different age. you spell age. that? Are you saying Alexia? Oh. E-V-E-X-I-A. A doctor has E-V-E. to order it, but if you go to... My clients can order it. If you go to betterbones.com and you look at my blog mm-hmm. uh, of the medical osteoporosis workup, at the bottom mm-hmm. of that blog, there's a there's a list of Avexia, the tests I like in the medical workup and the cost of them. And so it's a new oh, age. Excellent. You know, it's a new age of, wow. of, the, of individuals taking charge and having the capacity to take charge. And certainly for us, I imagine for you too, it's, it's, we're, happy to be a part of this whole dramatic shift of people taking responsibility not thinking that someone else is going to care for their health that they have to take responsibility you can begin any place you can begin with a gut you can begin with a bone you can begin with a heart concern it's going to take you to the same place in the end that's beautifully said thank you what i guess is the perfect way to end our conversation and you're just an amazing resource i hope everybody has seen that and Please go to betterbones.com and start reading those blogs. Um, do you people and take the course? Is there a yeah, way to consult serious, with you? Take the course, yeah. And we have a whole community. You join our tribe. We follow up with them regularly, and also alkalineforlife.com. That's all our pH oh, yeah. site. So that's I that's just write that. I didn't know that. Yeah, I that's know, where I write, write. I couldn't find your other. Yeah, you know, so you have your, you have the Better Bones book. And that was kind of hard to find because I was kind of looking well, for the, a Kindle the version Well, the book is but... older, yeah, and we, we've, it's a great book still. It's, it's, we certainly have it, and it's available, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Again, McGraw-Hill did it. They don't, they don't do anything much to promote it because it's an older book, but it's amazing. <laughs> Things I said 20 years ago are just I coming see. to the forefront right now. Yeah, I know what you mean. And, but, but the Acid Outline book, everybody absolutely has to understand yep, that. That's and that book new. is available on Kindle. And uh, the revised edition, right? Right, right, right. And yeah. we're, we're, we're just, the new book is the Better Bone Solution, and that's what the online course, we have a whole binder mm-hmm. that we give with the online course. And it's, it's just like you, it's so much fun to be a change of this, to be a part of this awakening, you know, to see that the, there is a delicate fabric to life, and we want to nourish that fabric of life and stay strong as long as, long as possible. It's just in there. Thank you so much for doing this podcast. Body ecology is not a diet. It's a way of life based on seven universal laws that always guide us toward the truth. If you want to know more about us, about these seven universal laws, and about our amazing, effective products, go to our website, bodyecology.com. Also, for a free transcript of this show, go to our website. Again, that's bodyecology.com. And of course, if you like what you're learning, we'd be very grateful for a review on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcast. If you've got a topic you want to learn about, just let us know. This information does not replace the advice of your doctor or healthcare professional. Thank you very much for listening. And here's to a happier, healthier world.